Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Summit Bid Podcast. Hello. My name is Toby. I'm Kemper. <laughs> and today we're going to go over uh, the state of Nikon in 2021. But yeah, kind of some... like a, I think the way to come at it is that we, we've talked about Nikon quite a bit over the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, obvious, for obvious right, reasons. For obvious reasons. And I think we kind of wanted to consolidate some of our thoughts mm-hmm. into a single podcast where we can kind of talk about Nikon as future. We did a similar thing with uh, Fuji and their GFX system last week. So mm-hmm. we may be kind of slowly working through the different systems here and there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this week is Nikon, but we actually have some pretty significant uh, camera news. Some pretty Uh, significant news. Blackmagic always blindsides everyone. Like no one's ever expecting, (laughs) ever expecting their their cameras and then bam, it's out. You can pre-order it now. Yeah, but Uh, before we share with you the Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Camera 6K Pro mm -hmm. stats, um, we would love it if you would hit that like button. Oh yeah, and uh, and then also if you like content like this, then um, we would love it if you would subscribe. We we just uh, uploaded a review of the Video Mic Pro Plus, mm-hmm. which is a really good review. And then we have a couple of cool videos coming up uh, mm-hmm. um, this mm-hmm. next in the next week. Like we've got a photo editing tutorial coming up. We've mm-hmm. got two camera first impression videos coming up. Oh, so. Yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna and, expose uh, my Nikon bias. Oh boy, your your brand new Nikon bias. It's my, it's, it's fresh, so it's <laughs> as bad as it gets. <laughs> the honeymoon honeymoon period, right? Oof, okay, um, but uh, so it's time to dive into the Blackmagic Pocket Cinema camera. Um, now, see, I as a stills primary stills photographer, I still consider myself that, even though I shoot a lot of video <laughs> out of necessity. <laughs> Um, I have, I don't know anything really about the pocket cinema cameras other than that they look kind of wonky. Um, so Toby's going to have to really explain what makes this camera so cool. So the Blackmagic pocket cinema camera 6k, the not pro came out two years ago now, actually at the same price point, uh, which kind of 2,500, 2,500, which kind of puts this into a situation where it's the pro. So it's like the higher end version, but it's also kind of just a replacement okay there's some really cool details here though uh and we'll go over kind of the pros first and uh the overall spec list because the specs are just really awesome it shoots 6k raw internal up to 60 frames per second which is just wild that's wild um so it's 50 frames per second on uh, is it just 50 frames or does it uh bnh uh, says 50 frames I see uh, 6K raw up to 60 frames per second. Oh, okay. I may be looking at it from, of course, our uh, our friends around the world, they're used to uh, 50 frames per second being mm-hmm. the standard because uh, they have they use uh, PAL and we mm-hmm. use NTSC here in the United States. Yeah, so it's literally just it's 25 versus 30 and right. 24 frames per second. Yep. All of sense. that stuff. So uh, it shoots 6K up to 60 frames per second does not shoot it up to 120. There actually was some people thinking that it would do that. Um, uh, I believe that the uh, DP, uh, the DP's journey thought it maybe would shoot that, but it didn't end up doing that, uh, which is kind of disappointing. I feel like 6K at 60 frames per second is plenty of uh, hard drive punishment yeah, for me. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, especially in RAW, which is just really fun uh, to have that kind of flexibility. It does not shoot 4K RAW. A lot of people were upset about that. It only shoots uh, ProRes 422HQ, uh, so it's downsampled, I would assume. Um, and it shoots that up to 60 frames per second, it appears. Let me see. So what RAW does it shoot? 6K RAW? It shoots just 6K RAW. That's oh, okay. It. That makes sense. does not shoot 4K RAW. And my guess is, is they'd have to crop the sensor, which is a Super 35 sensor, so they'd have to crop it down even more and they may just not want to do that or they feel like you should just buy their their dedicated 4K uh, raw camera, which I'm curious to see if that gets a pro replacement as well. Um, 
The camera body itself is kind of a DSLR design and they've made a lot of improvements here. This is where the differences are really gonna, gonna pop out. Uh, they have put in ND filters internal, which Ooh, is super nice. exciting. It's two to six stops, which is, uh, this is one of the first times, especially at this price point, $2,500 built in NDs, that's crazy. Um, with the buttons on the back to control that. It's a chunkier camera. Uh, I believe I heard it's nearly the same or is the same uh, width, so this way, but it's quite a bit taller. Okay. It takes, um, uh, I believe it takes NPF batteries, which is the same as the 6K's battery grip, but it takes them in the camera oh, nice. to help the battery life increase from 30 to 40 minutes to about an hour. Right, and the battery life on these pocket cinema cameras, even I know that that's something they're famous for being horrible. Oh yes, they're they're really true, truly bad at, at uh, the battery life game, but I suppose that's to be expected considering uh, they're, they're pushing so much data through. Right, and I see a picture here on BNH of it with a battery grip. Is that a new battery grip or is this um, something that they've had? So they did have battery grips on the uh, 4K and 6K, but this one's got uh, some new features that's really nice about it. Uh, primarily, it doesn't take up the battery slot inside the camera, oh. which means that now since you can have three NPF batteries in the camera at a time, you can go up to three hours of continuous shooting on this camera. So, oh, wow. So it's, it's more like Fuji style where you're working with three batteries exactly, instead of, yeah. instead of uh, two. And playing off of that modular design, they have also announced a a uh, viewfinder that you can put on top of the Whoa, camera. Uh, okay. So you can see the, uh, if you're looking on BNH or something at the photos on there, right where you'd expect the viewfinder to be, there's kind of a funny looking screw that's kind of- in Yeah, it looks a, like a three quarter tripod screw. <laughs> yeah, indeed. So you can actually unscrew there, pull it off, and there's a little plug to install that- uh, uh, Viewfinder. That viewfinder. Wow. And it's- so you, you could obviously buy third-party viewfinders before, but it's nice to see something this compact um, and proprietary so the menus and everything else work as intended. Um, so for me, um, there's one big issue with this camera that they did not do anything, but there's really two big issues for a lot of people. Uh, they did not, that still does not have any continuous autofocus options at all. Yikes. It's just press to focus on the touchscreen. Okay. And they did not remove the EF mount. It is still EF mount, which means you can really only use EF mount lenses. So uh, Canon's EF mount uh, old DSLR lenses right. is now, kind of the only now option. Now, there's a lot of those lenses out there, obviously. So, mm -hmm. like, it, it's, a, it's a versatile mount, to be for sure. It is a very versatile mount. A lot of people wanted it to be the RF mount. Mm, because and you can use EF lenses on the RF. You mount. can use EF lenses on the on that mount, and it it completely blocks people like me out from buying the camera. If I wanted it, I'd have to switch to Canon and get the adapters and everything else. Like I can't just use my Nikon lenses or I, uh, before when I was shooting Canon, I couldn't even use my RF lenses on this camera. Right, so you right. have to switch over to it, or you have to have those lenses on a backlog. A lot of people, I think, were hoping. Um, that they would put some sort of mirrorless mount on it, like the Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Camera 4K. Boy, they have a mouthful of names. And that's Micro Four Thirds. That's correct? Micro Four Thirds. And then there's, um, uh, is there any that's uh, E mount, Sony E mount? There's no E mount Blackmagic. Okay, interesting. Because to me, that almost makes the most sense because you can adapt a lot of things to E mount too, and and Sony's kind of the. Mm the hot ticket in town with third party and everything else as far as that goes. So the reason I was hearing uh, why people wanted the RF mount is they like the size um, mm -hmm. for uh, it being a really large mount uh, for larger lenses and stuff like that. Um, but, and a lot of it does would adapt over to Canon very well. And the red Komodo, which is kind of in a different scale to this camera price wise, it's $6,000. Mm. Uh, but similar kind of, I believe it's 6K raw is what it shoots. That has an RF mount and it has continuous autofocus. So, oh, wow. Okay. Um, the Red yeah. Komodo definitely kind of. Uh, yeah, I'm guessing the Red Komodo is a, a higher price point, though. Yeah, six grand. <laughs> um, I mean, that's not bad for a Red, though, when you really think about it. No, it's not. Especially a Red that has 
good autofocus and raw. It's actually a really uh, compelling option, but it is at that kind of next level. I don't even know what point. that camera looks like. Uh, oh, there, oh, there it is. It's like a box. Cool. It is. So that was kind of the last thing I was going to say is a lot of, um, I obviously was consuming a lot of content about this camera yesterday. And one of the things that I heard was some uh, more cinema people were a little frustrated that they kept the same shape for the camera. So it's got that DSLR mirrorless camera shape. Right. For me, that's kind of a plus, but for them, it makes it harder to build it out, harder to balance on gimbals, harder to. Right. Well, um, and this seems like it is a cinema camera, mm -hmm. right? So, like, you're not running and gunning too much. It doesn't have continuous autofocus. Doesn't have continuous you're autofocus. You're not vlogging with it. It doesn't have a flip screen. So, I, I, I get that a little bit. Like, why mm -hmm. stick to the DSLR form factor when you're not really being able to use this in, in a way that you would. Mm -hmm. a, a run and gun mirrorless camera, you know, mm -hmm. like the, uh, the a7S three, you know, you can, there's an element where having it be, have the form factor of a, of a normal stills camera makes sense. I, mm -hmm. I understand that, that, that doesn't make mm -hmm. um, a ton of sense, but I think that it's a single operator choice. It's the idea of you're alone doing a video shoot. Mm. And that makes it maybe a little bit easier to use. I mean, in the mountains, like for what we do, I, I probably will not be getting this camera. I would love to try it out and uh, 6K RAW would be really cool. But uh, I can see in that situation having that, you know, in your hands using the camera. This is a really nice form factor. But like they said, building it out, that's a frustration. And balancing the 6K, which is very similar to just heavier and a little larger uh, on a gimbal was really tough. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see as the reviews roll out. It's it's also interesting that they didn't really do anything to the actual image quality. It's all quality of life, camera body improvements, usability improvements, right, flip right. screen, the battery life, the viewfinder, um, which are all really, really cool improvements. Uh, the in, NDs, probably the biggest one is those internal now NDs. Now it's a flip out on the screen. Just like an Sony a 7 Okay. But not, it doesn't flip forward like Canon. It My doesn't look understanding like it. is it does not. Okay, cool. That uh, makes sense. It's just like the a7 III or the Z6 or whatever, where it just pulls out and tilts up and down, which is really cool that they added that uh, Tilta, actually. I, I don't know for sure if it was Tilta, but some one of the camera modification brands actually did that for Blackmagic cameras. They would, uh, the 6K and the 4K, which have the locked-ins back panel, um, oh. they would actually make it, where you could swivel it that way. So black magic basically was just like, yeah, that is, that is better than right. just <laughs> bolting it onto the back and right. expecting you to deal with okay, it. Okay. Well, very interesting. Um, let us know in the comments if you're planning on getting it or if you aren't maybe what the deal breaker is. Cause that price point's kind of wild. Most videographers could at least consider it, which is different from a lot of other cinema right. type cameras. Right. Like, okay. But I look at this and I'm like, the R6 is this price. The Z6 II is, is this price. It's cheaper. It's cheaper. Yeah. With um, the raw upgrade and the Ninja and everything right. else. Like there's a lot of cameras that are very similar. Why would you pick this camera? Like, you know, I'm saying this from a somewhat like, like I only shoot hybrid. So like, I, I'm, I'm just kind of curious as to like, I mean, I guess the 6K, I'm looking at it, the built-in ND filters. These are some really cool things. Mm -hmm. um, but it just, it seems like there's other options out there that are a little more versatile for this amount of money. So, mm -hmm. like, anyway, I, I, I don't know. I just, um, you know, it's not a tool I would really go for anyway. So, I don't mm -hmm. know. I don't really have, an, I can't have an opinion, right? So, <laughs> Well, I think that you have a strong point. I think that the Blackmagic cameras just aren't for most people. Mm. They definitely have that cinema camera thing where you're fighting the camera quite a bit. Like people have been dealing with the battery life and the shape of the camera and all kinds of things. Right. All in the name of getting the image that they want. I mean, 6K RAW is on a different scale from like 8-bit uh, 4K downsampled or whatever that a lot of these cameras are shooting. Right, right. You have to ask the question yourself, though: Is is am I am I going to be able to actually take advantage of that extra quality, that extra dynamic range, the extra color? Uh, 
flexibility and extra colors that it's going to be capturing than an 8-bit camera. Mm. Are you going to be able to take advantage of that? And for me, I would love to have this camera or a camera like it as a as another tool in my toolbox if I had the budget right. to have it. Okay. I would love to have something like this for shooting documentaries and uh, shooting some of those things where you just you really want to flex hard on the quality. Uh, you want some cropping power. You just want the best image you can afford. And that's what Blackmagic's done from the beginning, from the original pocket. It's been about giving you the best image quality. Oh, okay. And All right. at a cheap price. Because with stills cameras, there's ways to get high resolution or higher resolution without spending tons of money. All stills true. cameras shoot raw. Right, Not that's true. all video cameras shoot raw. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, you know, there, there are some projects I could see really enjoying this camera on. I think that I would I would only be able to have it as, a, as a, another camera in my bag, though. And I think it's that way for a lot of people. But okay. um, of two lands, uh, a fairly small but sizable YouTuber, he uses the 4K and 6K. Oh, interesting. Um, of two lands. For his work. And I have love the way that his image looks. A lot of that is going to be his processing, his style, his own thing. But pr- some of it does come down to the fact that he shoots raw and and uh, puts in the effort. He released an Antarctica series recently. Um, and he actually was shooting on the Blackmagic 6K and the EOS R was his two cameras he was using. Oh, interesting. Um, a portrait of Antarctica. I see it right here. Mm-hmm. We will link this in the uh, show notes. Indeed. Um, and I, you should definitely go check him out. He really, I feel like he flexes the camera well. You feel like the image looks sharp, uh, but not ridiculously sharp. Uh, he flexes the colors well. Um, he uses, uh, I believe, film convert pretty significantly for his work. Um, and there was another one uh, he did on surfing recently with the 6K that I feel like really uh, sh- kind of shows some of the the power of the camera. It's not that you can't do that with a stills hybrid camera, though. That's something anybody out there who shoots stills or can't afford a camera like this or needs autofocus, mm. you can still do this very similar things very effectively. And you can kind of tell that you have to really pay attention to be like, Oh, that's maybe the R the EOS R and not the black magic pocket six K. Okay. Right. He definitely, there's some shots where it's like, Oh yeah, he's definitely using what this camera's good at, but there's other shots where it's like the EOS R works just fine. And the EOS R certainly isn't uh, blowing any minds with its spec sheet so no but you um i mean our videos can attest to that we have a lot of videos that we've shot with the the eosr that we really like so yeah love the colors on that but we should probably uh yeah well um we can start our little segment talking about nikon with actually a little bit of nikon news in that they have just released the firmware update 1.10 for z62 and z72 and this is the um, firmware update that was promised that's going to give the Z6 to uh, 4K 60. Hallelujah. This is, I partially got the uh, Z6 to hinging on this release, so I was waiting excitedly for it. <laughs> yes, and uh, it also improves IAF. Um, looks like um, uh, eyes can be detected even when the person's face is smaller than before. Supporting comfortable and stable shooting. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. always so weird the 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 lingo sometimes with these press releases. Mm-hmm. Comfortable and stable shooting. So indeed, um, I did actually see in Manny Ortiz's video that that was maybe one of the weaknesses of Nikon's AF system, especially for portraits. Mm-hmm. Was that Nikon? Yeah. Ex- excuse me. That Sony and Canon seem to pick up the eye quicker. Yes, that is uh, the. The, yeah, the videos I've seen, um, I've used the, on the Z system, I've used both the Z6 and the Z7 mm-hmm. um, over the last two years. Um, I'm not currently, but I have used them. And uh, they, the eye autofocus, um, I, I uploaded the firmware update that gave it eye autofocus. And, you know, it was fine. I'm not a portrait shooter. I actually don't shoot a ton of, of photos that way. So, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, I shoot enough that like, you know, I probably noticed that it wasn't quite as snappy as my experience with uh, Sony and Canon. But, um, but yes, that, that, you know, I think it's something that they need to continue to improve on, especially mm-hmm. since unfortunately the, the Z system has kind of gotten this, um, third or last place reputation, mm-hmm. not even necessarily third place. Um, uh, you know, I, I certainly of the big three, it's, it's last place in, in a lot of people's eyes. So, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting. Yeah. And a lot of that came down to just the continuous AF in the Z6 and Z7 being, uh, just not as good as, as what right. Nikon and Canon were doing, which isn't shocking to me. I feel like Canon had their dual pixel autofocus. They were honing for years before they switched to mirrorless. That's true. Sony's foundations were in mirrorless and mirrorless autofocus and Nikon was invested a lot more in right. there. So uh, I used the D850, um, for a while after it first came out mm-hmm. and, uh, it it uh, the autofocus was great through the viewfinder, but about on the back screen it was horrendous. Like mm-hmm. it really was bad. Like it had um, touch focus, but there was always and I actually used the the touch shutter touch focus um, quite a bit. But I'm also a landscape shooter primarily, and mm-hmm. like even then I'm like, whoa, this is super slow. In video, it was a manual focus only camera. Mm-hmm. Like that's just we used it a lot for video. We actually had. Um, I was actually doing my most, um, I shot the most, um, client work videos for clients work with the mm-hmm. D850 than I have any other camera, which the is hilarious. Image was, uh, the really image nice. was great. The, the, mm-hmm. the video image was great on the D850. And like back then, um, that was the, one of the first times like full frame 4k was a pretty new thing. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the first ones that like cameras you could get and be like, wow, I can get super wide 4k like mm-hmm. it's interesting how how quickly things have changed now mm-hmm. <laughs> like full frame 4k isn't something anybody even like that's not even a discussion anymore mm-hmm. and that used to be like the the hot topic you know yeah, back in 2013 2014 time frame 4k options were the gh4 and the a7s1 with <laughs> right. an external recorder and that was your that was your 4k options kind of period and the explosion that came after that of just like nearly every camera shooting um nearly every camera shoots 4k now and right yeah I, and yeah it's like a requirement and it i think that that's a fair you know trans it's it's fair that that's where things have gone but um nikon was definitely playing from behind and I do want to give them some credit. This doesn't necessarily mean that you should shoot Nikon or, or should influence your decision in the past or now, but give Nikon credit for pulling things together really quickly. I mean, with the Z6 and Z7, they made a huge leap in uh, their face detect autofocus on sensor, face detect autofocus for mirrorless. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, they really handled the transfer over with really comfortable to hold cameras, some of the best right. ergonomics, kind of holding on to their heritage without getting too obsessed with getting really small. The, right. Although there were some weird things with them not having a battery grip for the Z6 Right. Z7 yeah. That, that was, that things. was very funny. And like, um, I feel like, and you know, uh, that, that people who are, are, are too hard on the Z six and Z seven, even the original ones mm-hmm. are people who haven't used them. Um, like in use, they're some of my favorite cameras I've ever used. Mm-hmm. Um, they are very fun to use. They're very ergonomic. Mm-hmm. They feel balanced. They balance well with the lenses. Um, there's just something about them. And what's funny is, is that their form factor isn't that different than Sony. Mm-hmm. Um, which that to me, like, you know, I, I've, I've ragged on, on Sony's ergonomics probably ad nauseum to a lot of people, but it really was something that was frustrating because I'm like, here's the Z7. It's the same size as the a7R4 mm-hmm. and it is so much more comfortable to hold and use. Mm-hmm. Like I don't need a battery grip with the Z7. Whereas with the a7R3 and R4, I really felt like I needed it. And so it's like, it's subtle little things. Mm-hmm. It's, it's button placement. It's the grip shape. It's honestly like the, the way that the mount is, I think that it's just not as comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like ergonomic is like Nikon has a history of creating cameras. And so mm-hmm. does Canon. Um, Sony doesn't the same way. Mm-hmm. And so I just don't think that they're, 
they approach their ergonomics as um, as is important. I don't think that they they probably in their development process look at mm. it as important as Nikon because when you pick up a Z7 or a Z6, it really is a wow. Mm-hmm. Like this is is so much more comfortable, especially if you're using a Sony at the same time. And what's interesting is that I was using. So I, I never used the Z6 and Z7 on their own. <laughs> it was always in parallel with Sony. And, mm-hmm. the, you know, it, it, there's a, it's a long, kind of a long story on how all that developed. But um, uh, so when I would use them together, mm-hmm. um, part of the time it was with the R3 and part of the time it was with the R4, um, I always just enjoyed using the, the Z7 more. Um, I didn't have any telephoto lenses for the Nikon. So it was always going to be that more standard or wide angle focal lengths um, that I used the the Z7 and Z6 with. Um, but uh, so, you know, it kind of over time turned into where my longer focal lengths were Sony. And then I was using the Z6, um, excuse me, the Z7 and the excellent 2470 um, 2.8. You know, I just, I loved that lens. I shot a lot of uh, photos with that lens that I maybe wouldn't have with, I would have maybe chose a tighter focal length or a wider focal length, but normally, but I loved that lens so much. I loved the look of that lens. I kind of made it work. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and and there's very few, especially zoom lenses. I've done that with primes, but I don't know that there's been any zoom lens that I'm like, go out of my way to figure out how to use mm-hmm. um, in a situation. So. Yeah. And I think that, with Nikon's Z system, something that can kind of get swept under the rug is the lenses that they're releasing. Yeah. Because obviously they may not have all the lenses you need yet, although they now have a Holy Trinity, they have a lineup of 1.8 primes and mm-hmm. one, I think, I believe it's a 1.2 50 mil. They do. They have a 51.2 and then a 56 0.95 mm-hmm. knocked, which we've kind of uh, kicked around quite a bit because it's it's a little bit of a ridiculous. I would love to rent that lens and use it for a very specific shoot. Like yeah, an, yeah. an astrophotography film use the 20 mil 1.8 and the 56 oh, yeah. uh, uh, 0.95. That would be a really fun combination. Uh, stay tuned. Subscribe for that right. <laughs> this summer. I'm going to drop yeah. like $300 just to rent it for three days. Right. Um, but uh I, I think that th- the fact that Nikon's stepping up their game, they made some really good F-mount lenses right at the end, but I think that they were always fighting the F-mount. They were. Um, they just, Canon decided to switch from FD to EF. Right, um, in the 80s, in the late 80s. 80s. Yeah, 80s. Made a lot of people super mad, <laughs> obviously, right. and Nikon was like, no, nah, we're not going to do that. Um, and... Uh, I think that they really were paying for that for a, a, in the lens designs. I think that they had a, a harder time making them as good as Canon was able to do. And right. I mean, they were sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there was some limiting and it has that. I mean, if you've ever used a Nikon DSLR, that little mount, mm-hmm. it just feels small as similar to the, the E-mount, the Sony E-mount. And mm-hmm. I can't help but wonder whether, you know, in 10 years, whether Sony is going to uh, be feeling that as well. Mm-hmm. Because a part of the advantage of the the Z system is this new mount is significant. It's mm-hmm. huge for one thing. It's huge, um, and it seems like the image quality that you can get with it because of the distance and, and the way you can make your lens design is over time going to be game changing. And I can I can give an example of this. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the lenses I've used with Nikon um, is the uh, twenty four to two hundred travel zoom mm-hmm. um i believe it's uh f4 to f5.6 so it's a variable aperture this is not a lens i would normally use um it's the size it's smaller than a 247028 mm-hmm. um it's a 24105 size is mm-hmm. what i would say uh maybe, maybe even, even a little smaller. maybe even a little smaller, smaller than yeah. the canon rf one because i i had yeah. that right when you you were kind of testing that lens right. out that little lens was super sharp you can take professional landscape images with that with that lens, mm-hmm. and that is some that's coming from someone who's a very I'm both a lens snob and a sharpness snob, mm-hmm. and I'm like I could use this lens like this lens is great. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Nikon's not the system I'm in, and that's right this second, and that's 
There's a lot of reasons about that. Their telephoto mm-hmm. game isn't awesome. Well, they just don't have any. They just they don't have really have any. They have the 7200, and, and then you can adapt. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I, I you know, I, um, I think I'm always going to have kind of a soft spot for it, mm-hmm. um, the Z system, and um, and, and you know, now that you're in it for for video, mm-hmm. which I think is going to be interesting to a lot of people. I'm sure a lot of people don't understand, <laughs> mm-hmm. but actually, Nikon, I. It's my favorite video shooting experience, particularly because I am a hybrid shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, um, so uh, Canon's video is probably better quality overall, like on the R5. If you're comparing the R5 to the Z7 II or the Z6 II, you know, it's 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 in a little bit of a different plane. It's also in a different price bracket, to, to be well, fair. Well, it is for sports and video shooters. But mm-hmm. a really interesting point is, is the Z7 one, if you need just accurate single point autofocus, like for a landscape photographer, potentially, mm-hmm. you can save almost $2,000 and get the same resolution more or right. less. Right. The same. Uh, well, and I actually raised this point in my, uh, um, a couple of weeks ago, I published a, a video um, kind of going over the R5, the Canon R5 mm-hmm. for landscape photography. And, and to me, that's a major consideration. If you're just doing landscape photography, as I mentioned in that video, um, I don't know that the Canon R5 should be your first choice um, just purely for that because the, the Z7 one, like mm-hmm. they can be had for, I mean, used or even sometimes new for around 2000, mm-hmm. um, which is insane for, for that camera. And uh, it... Um, it, the image quality is as good, if not a little bit better. I like Nikon colors a little bit better for landscape. For portraits, not necessarily that way. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like there's um, there's less of a look to it. So, like, when I'm thinking about color science, I'm looking for either a look mm-hmm. or I'm looking for something neutral that I can work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like both Canon and Sony struggle with um, kind of in between. Like they don't really have a look like, mm-hmm. but they also aren't fully natural. Um, and I feel like Nikon, there's like a, a base level naturalness to it that allows me a lot of editing latitude and, and creativity that like I, I, you know, with Canon and Sony, I, I don't have the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting to see how I end up growing with the color science because I am colorblind. Um, <laughs> right. We, that ends up coming up a lot, but you know, people can, you know, measure how important that is, but that's a huge problem for me with Sony and Sony is my uh, home brand kind of, that's the one that I started on and I keep ending right, up back right, with right. is Sony and their purple shadows in particular give me trouble cause I don't really see them. I mm. think I see them as more pleasant than other people see them. That's and true. That's, that ends up feeding out a result that looks good to me, but not to other people. Do you think you'd have that trouble with the the S3? I question having that problem with the S3. Now, I think like you mentioned last week, the S3 is probably, that, that was out of your budget to add. It was, for out, this. Of, it was out of my budget in this situation, but I would right. love to try the S3. If people are going to be commenting down below, well, then why didn't you go with the S3? The S3 doesn't have mm-hmm. these problems, da, da, da. And that is, um, that's something we talked about when the S3 came out that mm-hmm. is... <laughs> is a hilarious phenomenon um, with camera gear is that when people, when, when a company fixes an issue in one camera, mm-hmm. for some reason, people feel like they fix the issue with all their cameras. Mm-hmm. Like they don't buy the continue to buy them. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, a great example of this would be, uh, is that like a lot of the things that Sony did fixed with the a seven S three people are like, Oh, well, Sony's fixed it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, the A7 III, the original A7 mm-hmm. III hasn't changed. The R3 hasn't changed. The R4 hasn't changed. The 6600 didn't change. The 6600 didn't change. Like, it, mm-hmm. it's not this magical thing. All of these cameras out there that are available and options, they mm-hmm. didn't change. But in people's heads, they're like, oh, Sony fixed it, so we can move on now. They have flip screens now. We can move mm-hmm. on now. They have 10-bit internal. They, we can move on they now. They have 4K 120. Right. I mean, it's, there's some. that is definitely a phenomenon. And Canon th- has done that to some degree. Um, and, you know, I think all these companies do that to some degree. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, autofocus gets fixed in a camera, and people are like, oh, well, we can move on because they fixed mm-hmm. it. Well, I think that one thing that gets to people 
I know this gets to me, and you can uh, let us know in the comments if it gets to you as well, uh, is the idea of, I just want to know it's there. I've definitely noticed that with people. Like, yeah. they want to know there's 4K 120 in the system, even if the camera they're going to buy, no matter what, isn't going to have it. Like, it's just, they want to know it's in the system. So in theory, you can access it. And the same thing's true with RAW. The same thing's true with 8K. Like, once again, the A1 is the only Sony camera that shoots 8K right now. Right. But everyone's kind of fixated on it as like, oh, now Sony's an 8K system. It's like, well, if you can do a $6,400 camera, then yes, it is in the system. But <laughs> if you're using an A7 III, it did nothing to help the A7 III shoot 8K. Right. But the fact that it has it now is making a lot of Sony shooters more comfortable I think, right. I, I know uh, Brandon, who's on the show, like he's kind of mentioned that it's just nice to know that Sony has 4K 120 that he can upgrade to. It's nice to know that. So I think that is valid, but it's also there's a degree to which it's like, well, if you're if it's not in the camera you are going to buy, it doesn't help you that much. Well, and that that kind of plays into something um, that happens a lot, and we also talked about this on our our brand loyalty episode. Mm-hmm. where where people are they they get very brand loyal mm-hmm. um they you know uh, everything in society and everything is is a pick your pony choose your team mm-hmm. um you know fight for your tribe like it just is you know that's politics and 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 everything you know mm-hmm. and uh cars we talked about that in that yeah. in that brand loyalty episode um but and i think with with camera gear in, tr- in actuality, it is like, I'm not going to say that, that you should be switching all the time or you can switch all the time or whatever. Mm-hmm. Although it, it is somewhat, it's, it's more feasible now, I th- feel like in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, especially if you don't have a huge catalog of lenses. When you, when you, when you build a huge catalog of lenses and stuff, like, like the biggest catalog of lenses I've had with Sony... Um, and that was the hardest to switch. It was hard to switch out of Sony mm-hmm. when I was fully Sony and had a catalog of lenses. Um, but like, if you kind of stay a little lighter and faster or you use multiple systems or whatever, um, you kind of, you can kind of start to see that like, it's not all, um, like maybe the, the tribalism isn't, isn't as, is, is not, certainly it's not healthy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, not everyone out there can try out multiple cameras Mm-hmm. Um, but with a camera that you do choose, you know, you don't have to prove that it's the best, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you don't have to put other companies down or other people. It gets even worse when it turns into other people down mm-hmm. for using something in particular. And what's funny is, is that like Sony is kind of the center of this right now. And for a long time, they were the, the victims of it. Mm-hmm. Canon shooters in particular were very hard on Sony shooters. Um, just all the way around, they, you know, um, uh, you know, stop me if you've heard this one before, you know, they're a consumer electronics company, not a Mm -hmm. camera company. Yeah. And guess what? They're a camera company now. Like Sony is legit. They're here. But what's funny is, is that now, um, the Sony community is in a little bit, and they're probably reacting out of the fact that they, especially if you were an early Sony adopter, Mm -hmm. um, like now they've, they're, they're kind of top dog. It's hard to argue that they're not like the the top dog system. Mm-hmm. Like if you're just generally getting into photography, it's hard to argue that Sony isn't the best. Now, mm-hmm. like right now we're spending time talking about why we like Nikon and what, what are they're doing. Mm-hmm. Sony's mirrorless system is so much bigger than Nikon's mirrorless system. Mm-hmm. It's huge. There's way more bodies and lenses at every single price point. Mm-hmm. You've got a you've got a larger catalog of native lenses for sure, which is so interesting to watch that happen because it was always Sony's big issue for so many years was it didn't have lenses and people would just critique it to no end about like not having the lenses. And now, while I I will give Canon and Nikon a lot of credit for being a lot more uh, timely with their lens releases. I mean, they both have Holy Trinities out like under two, like about two about years two after years. launching Canon the was system. under two years. Um, um, Sony was, I mean, Nikon, excuse me, was, was a little over two years. A little but. over, but they, they've released lenses very poignantly. And, uh, 
you know, Nikon has a full 1.8 line of primes and yeah. stuff like that. So they've done a really good job, but Nikon, but Sony, excuse me, has the, the lead. I mean, they have the 2414 that the other camera companies don't have and the 218, which Nikon has, but Canon doesn't. Right. And they have the 12 to 24 now, which is a kind of a new lens. Of course, the new mount the larger mount, maybe this isn't the reason, but I think it is, has allowed uh, Canon to produce the 28 to 70 F2, which is something Sony hasn't been able to do that yet. Right. Uh, Nikon is kind of flexing with their, uh, you know, I mean, the lens that no one can get, the 56 0.95. But right. <laughs> the, the point is 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 that they're, they're showing that their mount has a future. Right. And I think that a lot of people start, like, they see that Nikon's moving their production out of Japan, and they see that everything's being made in Taiwan now and all this different stuff that's going on with Nikon as a company, and they, are, they start thinking Nikon's shutting down. And I think that that's a weird perspective to have because Nikon didn't start the Z system thinking it was just going to blow up and everyone was going to use it right away. Right. That's that's um, a really good point. Just like Sony didn't think everyone was going to use E-mount right away. It was a long game Sony was playing. And there were times for sure where it, it didn't look great for Sony. Um, I remember with the autofocus yeah. just dragging on and on. The autofocus wasn't super accurate and the yep. camera bodies weren't super weather sealed and uh, they didn't have a high-end pro body or they didn't have the high-end pro glass and battery people life, switching. Battery life, battery yeah, life. battery life for problems. And they they ironed out those issues and probably around, what, 2018, 2019, everyone just across the whole industry was like, wow, Sony's done it. Like they've really done it. <laughs> I think it was the juxtaposition um, when the D850 came out, which granted is still one of the most beloved cameras of all time. Like mm-hmm. people will be using the D850. The D850 is going to ensure that the the um, the, F-mount. the F-mount is used well into the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when when just a few months later, Sony announced and released the, the R3, mm-hmm. and it matched so much of the D850, um, with uh, with better autofocus in a, in a sense, I mean, I think you could argue the continuous autofocus for for wildlife and sports is probably better in the D fifty through the viewfinder, but just mm-hmm. overall autofocus was better with the with the R three. Um, it was small, light. The batteries were really good because it got that new battery that had been in the A nine. Everyone was kind of just their minds were they they they. The Sony took the R2, which is a camera a lot of people liked but had a lot of issues, mm-hmm. and they fixed the problems with it. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, okay, we'll just fix it. And I think that that was a little bit of a new concept. In a lot of ways, it's a new concept that like Nikon has adopted because mm-hmm. look at the the Z6 II and Z7 II. They're, they're just fixed versions mm-hmm. of um, the... Uh, um, Z6 and Z6 and Z7. Z7. <laughs> there, yeah. The names are so similar, it kind of gets jumbled in my head. Sometimes I have to be like, oh, it should be called something different. But mm-hmm. um, Yeah, for sure. So I, I just think that, that uh, that's kind of where the world was like, okay, and then the A7 III came out the next April, mm-hmm. and then that's really when... Yeah, and at that moment when the A7 III was announced, it's important to remember Nikon's competition was the D750, a camera that was already pretty old. Right. Didn't shoot 4K at all. Right. Uh, as a DSLR had a mirror DSLR, in it. As a DSLR, yeah. And and just compared, like I was there and I was in that market looking for that kind of camera at that time. And it was just, it was really hard to not see. And the, the Canon had just announced the 6D Mark II, which was disappointing when it was announced. And then the S3, excuse me, the A7 III made it look way worse uh, than it than it was, and and at mm. that moment, for a flash moment, it looked horrible for Canon and Nikon, and Sony really had pulled ahead in a way because it was the A7R3 versus the 5D Mark IV and the D850, right? And it just looked like the future, and it looked like Canon and Nikon were in the past. But it's easy to forget that that same year, Canon and Nikon launched their mounts. Right, they did. Just well, like four to six months after the, uh, right after yes. the A seven three, and they launched them very close together, um, mm-hmm. and I feel like the the Nikon launch 
um, went horribly. Neither launch went particularly great. Mm-hmm. I think people were more intrigued with Canon with the R, the OSR. I mean, obviously, it quickly got a reputation for just being kind of a repackaged um, 5D Mark IV, which in a lot of ways it was. It had the same sensor, mm-hmm. um, but it had better video overall, except for the the stupid 4K crop. Yeah, they which kept was the just, crop, which would have been the game changer. If they had put 4K, right. six, I thought about that a lot because I owned the OSR. If they had put 4K full frame in that camera, it would have taken the market by storm. It really would have in a lot of ways. And it, a lot of people yeah. use the, the, the EOS R they still do. A lot of mm-hmm. YouTube channels are that it's the camera whose um, back YouTube channels were built on. So, mm-hmm. but the Nikon, the once card slot turned into a frenzy, mm-hmm. which was ridiculous that it was that much of a frenzy, especially considering that it was an XQD card Mm-hmm. And also the EOS R had one card slot and, mm-hmm. and it wasn't just an SD card and it just wasn't nearly. When Sony had had one card slot up until a year earlier, which, I, yeah, you know, I, good on Sony for fixing it. Less than a year it, earlier. But, less than yeah. a year earlier. The, well, I guess the, the, um, the A9, if you count the A9, which I would count as a tier above, that's a mm-hmm. pro camera, a tier above. But the, the R3 was the first one to have dual card slots mm-hmm. and then the A7 III and all of a sudden, it was such an outrage that it was just an XQD card. Mm-hmm. And then there was some autofocus issues at launch, and I feel like a lot of people buried it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, you know, if, if you are one of those people, I would encourage you to um, open your open your mind a little bit to that this Nikon system is is, is better than, than that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really fun system to use. Um, and I think that the Z mount has a legitimate future. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some rumored lenses coming out. Like for instance, there's a rumor that there's a 24 to 105 2.8 to four coming mm-hmm. on the horizon, which would be a huge deal yeah, for I'd a lot of shooters lens. for a lot of shooters, because like having 2.8 at the 24 end, mm-hmm. like a lot of people use 24, 72 eights for Astro. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, like, you know, and that's something a lot of enthusiast photographers want to shoot. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you can get that one lens and you can shoot some Astro with it mm-hmm. at 2.8, at 24, and then you have that range out to 105. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get that. That is, that's that's innovation. Um, and that's not just, you know, top tier um, A1 level innovation, mm-hmm. right? That's innovation at a, a consumer level that we're actually, I'm not, we're not really seeing from the other companies the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same thing goes with this, this 24 to 200 mm-hmm. that is, is super sharp, super usable, um, and is, is su- in a, in a form factor that is, um, great, really, truly is a great lens. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess that's, that's kind of my perspective on it is that I feel like everyone thinks Nikon's dead. It's not, mm-hmm. it's, it's a long game. Like you were saying, they didn't launch the, the, Z mount being like, well, it's just going to be an overnight. Well, and they're not moving to Taiwan because they're expecting to not be making cameras in a year. Like, right. That's not what Olympus did right before they ran into their real, real problems. They weren't moving production and building stuff and figuring out how to make things happen. Right. I feel like somebody somewhere in Nikon's like, well, in five years, we're going to run out of money if we don't do this. And that makes sense that Nikon's needing to make some moves. Right. Well, the whole camera industry is, is changing. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm one of those people who is going to say changing more than, um, shrinking or dying or any of those big Mm -hmm. words. I think that, um, that is changing how cameras are used and the purpose of cameras Mm -hmm. is changing. And, and like, I feel like first off they're, they're becoming more tools, more higher end tools, mm-hmm. um, like the consumer camera market and the enthusiast camera market. Like if you're an enthusiast photographer, well, and honestly, the thing is, is that enthusiast photographers are buying the more expensive cameras. Mm-hmm. That's something that's been eye opening to me is, is like, since we started this YouTube channel, we're actually interacting with more photographers via comments and mm-hmm. various other things. And there's a lot of non-professional photographers who are using the newest gear. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has been very interesting to me. I wasn't really thinking about it that way. I'm like, you know, like, oh, you you get this camera. And, and I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying that's good. Mm-hmm. For one thing, it's going to make sure that these in, that uh, cameras are going to have a lot of really great pro features. Mm-hmm. If they can count on not just pros buying them, 
Yeah, like, and it's going to make the price down a little bit. Yeah, uh, but but that's my other point is that I think that that enthusiasts are are, are paying more for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's just what's going to happen over time. Is that yes, it may shrink or change um, the emphasis because that consumer market is is going. It's 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 just not the same. It's never going to be the same with cell phones now that we have phones to do a lot of that like grunt consumer. Photography. You know, work. take the video of singing "Happy Birthday," which, right? Honestly, like I, I, I feel like that's a relief for some people to not have to deal with it because they just don't want to for their vacation camera or whatever. They want to just have it just work and capture the memories. Um, I remember a few years ago, I was talking about how I was excited for cameras to not have the the have the the mode dial be pro focused. Mm-hmm. Like they even, even somewhat pro cameras had on the mode dial had like the little mountain peaks and the guy running or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, at some point it's just going to get that. Those are just going to go away and they are completely gone. They're oh, just yeah. not even a the, thing anymore. The Z sixes has an auto mode, which makes sense. And that's right. it. Everything else is the exposure modes and custom user settings. Right. Which just shows that they're expecting you to invest a lot, lot of time, time and energy yep. into figuring out how to use your camera. And honestly, I've, I've heard people say they've got to get easier to use. If camera companies think you're going to spend a lot of time figuring it out, I don't think they're going to optimize for ease. Well, and I think it's, it's look at who's buying the cameras now. It's enthusiasts and professionals. Mm-hmm. Like they're buying a lot of cameras and they're the people who are camera geeks and all of this stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're both camera geeks, major camera geeks. Oh yeah, for sure. And, um, like we spend a lot of time and we want it to be super customizable and honestly, super complicated. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's actually something that we kind of like is the complexity of dialing it in and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I, I don't think that they have to get simpler because, like, you know, it's, you know there, is, there, is a, there is a ceiling on what cell phone cameras are going to be able to do, mm-hmm. right? Well, there's a ceiling on what people want them to do. I feel like... Right. Like, I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, the, the 12 Pro Max has, like, a super cool camera, and it really does. It is. But it's a great it, camera. It's, uh, it's certainly, you know, I don't take photos with it, and I'm like, oh man, you know, this is close mm-hmm. enough. You know, I'm not like that. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I mean, for I'm not necessarily gonna look down on you <laughs> if you feel that way. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, all my other professional cameras and lenses, when I look up close and, and zoom in on the, on the even the raw files that come off the 12 Pro Max, mm-hmm. I am not like, oh man, I don't know. This could be my wide angle, mm-hmm. right? And no. Sorry, I mean, it's not even close to me. In the the footage is such an interesting question because we, we've used some 12 Pro Max video yes. and we yes. will continue to use it. It looks great, but it still looks, it looks more digital mm-hmm. than anything I've seen. Even in some ways, even older phone cameras, like they just look, they look sharp, they look right. detailed, but they look digital in a way that's difficult to put a word to like it's just like when you look at them it's like wow that's really nice that it has that much dynamic range but it just looks so sharp in a very specific way yes that a lot of filmmakers and and video creators are desperately trying to not look like right um and because it 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 looks like a video of something as opposed to like a window into what real life feels like. So maybe that's what it is. I have a kind of a, a not, it's not even really a theory. It's just a thought on that. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that's very unique about particularly iPhones, right? Mm-hmm. Is that they are both the capture device and the consumption device mm-hmm. for almost everything that it does. Yeah. Um, whereas you're not, you do not shoot photos and videos to look at them on the back screen of a camera, Mm-mm. right? They, they have another place. They have a higher, higher calling than that. Mm-hmm. The truth is, is that most videos shot on an iPhone are designed to, they're going to be looked at on another iPhone or on your iPhone, mm-hmm. you know, or that's printed just, four by six, which is about the same size as your screen at this right, point. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so because they own the whole system, they're optimized for that system. 
an iPhone video is going to look the best on an iPhone. I'm, mm-hmm. It just is. Um, and it looks really good on an iPhone. And then you yeah. get on a computer and you're like, uh, okay, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Like it's usable for certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think that that's part of the advantage and the, 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 um, the a con of, of mm-hmm. the iPhone photography and, and footage is that that's, it's, that's where it's, it's where it's being made and consumed. Um, and they're going to optimize it. For and they're that. going to opt like Apple's never going to not optimize iPhone photos to look better. Like they're, they're going to sharpen it for the resolution of an iPhone or mm-hmm. they're going to, you know, use a color gamut that looks the best on an iPhone mm-hmm. and you know, all of these, all this stuff. So that's yeah. just kind of a, an interesting side note. We've <laughs> yeah, definitely, uh, uh, well, but that's some interesting conversations just in the the framework that Nikon's trying to launch the system in, uh, the Z system in this world of smartphones. And it's never going to be selling as many units as the F mount did at, in 2005. I mean, it's just not going to be. So they kind of have to target a different market. And interestingly enough, if there's one huge weakness with Nikon right now, I did kind of want to go over this, is they have really filled out now the prosumer area. Cameras that are worth somewhere between like $500 and $2,000. Like right. they have okay. so many options. You've got within that price range, you've got the Z50, their APS-C camera. Right. You've got the Z5. You've got the Z6. Z5 and Z6 are weirdly very similarly priced. Um, I don't know, like... That's just a weird kind of quirk of the market right now. Z5s and Z6s, original Z6 to be clear, are about the same price. And then you have the Z7 and the Z6 II right now are hovering on that higher end. High end of it. High end of that $2,000 price point. And then above that, you have the Z7 II and that's it. You don't have Mm. anything else Z mount that's higher than that. And to to be honest with you, you have the D6, which was disappointing when it was announced. Oh, such a disappointment. Such a disappointment, especially when Canon came out with the 1DX Mark III and, and right. really did some interesting Honestly, things. Honestly, I feel like with with the D6, that was a giant why bother. Mm-hmm. Um, like for them, like I, I feel like, and you know, maybe it just was in the development cycle so long by the time they realized that it was going to be a completely irrelevant camera when mm-hmm. it hit the market. Well, and they um, wanted to get something for their their olympic shooters for 2020 i feel With like the tokyo olympics in 2020 which of course yeah. like we don't need to <laughs> we don't need to explain all that yeah. uh, why that was a disaster indeed um but i think that the z9 or z1 or whatever it's going to be called is on the horizon mm-hmm. um, i'm going to be very interested in how it matches up against the a1 um mm-hmm. i think one thing that's rumored that's going to be a difference is that it's going to shoot 20 frames per second mechanical mm-hmm. so not um not electronic mechanical, whereas the A1 only shoots 10 frames a second mechanical. Mm-hmm. And like that, that there's going to be a, a segment of shooters who are going to be drawn to that. Mm-hmm. They just are. And then, you know, we can, we can argue all day long, whether Sony has made mechanical shutters irrelevant. I don't think they really fully have. They've certainly become the closest that it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that mechanical shutters are are here to stay for certain applications. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I don't I don't know that that electronic shutter will ever completely replace it. A year from now, I'm going to pl- sound play the soundbite and be like, "Well, what an idiot!" <laughs> um, like, but I, I think there's there's a, there's a certain thing uh, with mechanical shutters that like is just important. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I wonder if it's one of those things where it's it's a mechanical thing that isn't necessary or if there's a, a level of just the, this sounds weird, but just hearing the camera actually take a, take a photo is something that people may really always kind of want their camera to do. I don't know. I don't know how far we are away from the first camera that doesn't have a shutter. Uh, uh, doesn't have one at all. Doesn't have one at all. A physical shutter, of course. Um, mechanical, right. Mechanical. So they need, so, so one thing I think Nikon needs to do is obviously the, the Z9, Z1, their pro camera. But I think that there's a gap there that's kind of awkward. Because the is. Z7 II is, is, I think, competitive for um, uh, landscape shooters, portrait shooters. Hopefully this iAutofocus game makes it even better. But their autofocus in right. firmware 1.0... 
It's competitive because of its price point. It's exactly. It's very competitive because of its price point. It does have nice video specs as right. well. It shoots. Uh, you can get it to shoot raw, which is really cool. Um, you have to pay for the firmware update. Um, but uh, so you know, video. It's definitely not a slouch. It's no R five. Right, um, but it is that notch cheaper. I believe mm-hmm. it's five hundred dollars cheaper than the R five. I'm actually looking up what it's they sell for three thousand, isn't it? Uh, oh yes, yeah, it's, it's nine hundred dollars, uh, three thousand ninety six, so thirty one hundred. Oh, it's thirty one hundred on uh, on B and H right now with an FTZ adapter. Oh, nice. So, oh no, twenty nine ninety six without the adapter. Sorry, that yeah, was so it's three thousand, so it's nine hundred. So, so it's nine hundred cheaper. cheaper. It's a great camera for nine hundred dollars cheaper. Same resolution. Right. As, as someone who's used the R five a lot and used a Z seven one, like it's it right in between there. Like that is a sweet spot. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I should, and it has dual card slots now. A lot of these issues have been solved. So, mm-hmm. um, anyway, the, I think that was our our goal setting out here is mm-hmm. to kind of be like, hey, you know, at least uh, pay attention to Nikon to some degree. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're that they're going to lose out totally. I think that we're going to see um, a resurgent with them. Mm-hmm. I think, I think, you know, it may be a year, it may be two years from now, but all of a sudden people are going to be like, wow, look at Nikon. Mm-hmm. They are legit. That Z mount you can do so much with. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, the the camera bodies, they will have caught up on autofocus because they will catch up on autofocus. Mm-hmm. Like that, That's just, they're having their issues now. Like you said, they started behind both Canon and Sony. Mm-hmm. They will catch up. It will be indistinguishable. Mm-hmm. And you know they and Nikon brings a Nikon ness to it, mm-hmm. like uh, like a, a camera nerd, a uh, a design philosophy that like if you get it, you get it; if you don't, you don't. But mm-hmm. Nikon definitely has that factor. Mm-hmm. Um, there is yeah. one one thing I think Nikon should should release, and I'm kind of asking for this from Nikon. You've made your A7 III competitor line your a7r competitor line right they Mm -hmm. have those two lines make an a7s line competitor make a camera where people are kind of well first of all make it shoot 10-bit internal and have n-log actually work internal Mm -hmm. as opposed to having to use an external recorder maybe even do raw internal but i don't think that's necessary uh and put 4k 120 in there and that's and put a flip screen on it do those things Things that you already have in your system, things we already know you can do. We know well, they 4K look good. 4K 120 is a maybe. Okay, yeah, 4K 120. We don't know for sure they can do that, but they need to be able to do that at some point. Right. Release that camera, and people will take the the whole thing more seriously. Because I don't think very many people are too on the thought that they're not okay for stills. I think right. that there's this idea that right. they're worse for video than they actually are. Um, and there, there are some holes, like they don't shoot log internal. I love the flat profile and we'll talk about all of the details about shooting video on the current ones and in, in other videos and, right. and on other podcasts. But that camera would be a huge step in the right direction with Canon and, and Sony pushing so hard on those video specs. People aren't even seeing that the Z7 II is very similar. They're just seeing that it doesn't have 8K and it doesn't have 4K 120. And that's a problem for Nikon. They need people to see, even primarily still shooters, that they are at least in the game video-wise, well, which and they are in the they're game, They're not I think. as confined as Canon and Sony with video. Mm-hmm. Canon and Sony have cinema lines they that do. they are continuing to take bites out of mm-hmm. with, with their cameras, and they kind of have to. They're kind of, it's a little gun to their head a little bit mm-hmm. with it. Nikon doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. So make make Sony and Canon do that by releasing a camera that really has things that 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 Canon and Sony wouldn't cannibalize. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like, and uh, release a camera like they could beat Panasonic so fast. Like the camera I just said beats anything Panasonic has because they've got good autofocus. They've got yeah, and their um, video autofocus is not as much of an issue. Um, no, I've, as there's, there's I've really stills. liked it so far. Stay tuned yeah. for the video that is that is going to come out in just a couple days. Uh-huh. Uh, it may even be out, like it's coming out so soon after mm-hmm. um, after this podcast that is probably like you pro- almost certainly will be able to to watch it, and we'll mm-hmm. make sure it's linked um, where you talk about like some of your uh, discovery of the autofocus stuff with, mm-hmm. with the um, the Z six two Z six two. Take it Very, out in the snow and test out that weather ceiling, which was a huge woo! part of why I picked it up, but. 
All right. All right. I think that's all we have time yeah, for. Yeah, really. We are we are out of time. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We we appreciate our audience and our our listeners. Mm-hmm. And again, um, uh, if you like this video, please uh, give it a like. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you made it this far, you either really liked it or you really, really didn't. didn't yeah, like exactly. It. Um, <laughs> yeah. So as we're as we're learning, um, indeed. And then uh, subscribe for um, a lot of this uh, content. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be doing a lot more outdoor content soon. Um, as we mentioned last week, we just have not been able to get outside much, mm-hmm. um, especially into the mountains. The avalanche danger in Colorado has been bonkers. Mm-hmm. And in the storms and everything else. The weather else, the last couple of weeks has been. It's, yeah, for everybody. Everybody yeah. out there probably has been experiencing some of this wacky weather. Indeed, uh, yeah. But Colorado has not been, so we just have not been able to get out. But we want to get out and do more outdoor stuff and not just camera gear all the time. But mm-hmm. when you're stuck indoors and you like camera gear, yeah. guess what winds up happening? Indeed. So right. uh, anyway, uh, we uh, appreciate you listening and we will uh, see you on the next adventure. Indeed. Bye.